Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today I'm very, very happy to introduce to you Jonathan Ford. Now, welcome, Jonathan, to the show. Hi, James. Hi, thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Now, if you want to introduce to our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you work, and what title you hold. I'm John Ford, so I work at Wildwood in Kent. I'm the head of Bears and Hoofstock, and Wildwood, just for anyone who doesn't know, so it's a, it's a little bit unique in terms of the, the British zoo system, so we mainly deal with... Um, native species um but it can be things that have been here in the past so you know we've got some of the bigger animals as well we've got bison we've got elk we've got wolves we've got bears we've got lynx and then we've got all of you know everything going right the way down through the ecosystem so yeah we're a little bit different to, to mainline zoos but very good a, a great great place to say i haven't been there um earlier earlier last year i obviously saw it firsthand an amazing amazing place but obviously as we all do it's very rare for someone to just roll into a position. You get very lucky if that's the case. Most people have to, to work the graft, have to earn their keep and, and have a, a journey, have, I guess you could argue, some stepping stones. Is that true? Do you have those those little moments throughout your career, through your early maybe childhood even, that have got you to where you are today? Well, I've always wanted to work animals ever since I was a little kid. Um, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be that the keeper who looked after the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. I think that's where it started. But yeah, I'd, I've, I've always wanted to do animals right right away from the very beginning. I, I went to I went to college uh, and I studied animal care and animal management. And that was, uh, that was straight out of school. And then I think I quite quickly fell into it from that point. Um, and I met some really cool pe- people. It's not, it was actually nice to meet some people who, who were just interested in animal care alongside myself because I hadn't really met anyone up until that point. So that was quite nice. And then, yeah, so I started college. And then from there, I went to uh, Chessington. Now, if you know Chessington World of Adventures, so they've got the zoo in there. Started out there. And from that point, um, I was actually, I was in the aquarium. They've got like a, a really, a big, massive tent that they have their aquarium. It's a sea life center. Started out there on a, on a rock pool. Do you know the rock pools? You get people come in and they want to know what's what and all that kind of thing. Doing the, doing the talks, all, all of those little smaller responsibilities. So I started from there. From that point, I got poached onto the Hoofstock team at, um, at Chessington. Which, yeah, yeah, really, really nice. And I think, I think in college that the first animal I actually ever worked with properly in an official sense was a cow. I've sort of always been like that, that hoofstock side of me, hoofstock brain. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed Chessington. Chessington was really, really nice. Um, I was there for quite a few years as well. I think it was about six or seven years. Um, so that's, that's where I started out. And I say there's, there's a, a really diverse group of animals at Chessington. They're really nice, like really big. Um, and then from there, I will, I've also, um, I worked at a small zoo called uh, Tropical Wings. I don't know if you would have heard of it. I don't think many people would have. It's, um, it's a very small place. It was in Essex. Unfortunately, um, they did close it down. Um, the owners sort of retired. It was this lovely, lovely little zoo. But the owners retired and just wanted to, to close it down and move on. But it's since actually been reopened by one of the old employees called Ryan. So it's now, um, I think it's Call of the World. He's named it. Lovely little zoo. Really long really it was quite unique in the fact you know most zoos spread out this one was just long just went right the way up the back and then yeah from there to wildwood that was sort of my my journey from a kid what a journey i say it's uh you've, you've definitely been through i guess your trials and tribulations it's, it's obviously a, a heck of a journey as we all have to go on and uh you've been been through quite a few various taxonomic groups and that's obviously what this podcast this episode's about is is 
learning about the keepers and where maybe they get put now obviously you've touched on what you've worked with you've touched on maybe what you would class yourself as but if someone wants to try and kind of tag you off to try and brand you as a certain taxer what would you what would you put yourself under i'd probably go i think i think i'd be i'd be probably mainly hoostop by trade but the thing if i'll be honest the thing i found that i'm best at is actually bears so bears since i started at wildwood i'll be honest with you actually when i when i first started I'd, I'd never even really considered bears as a as a, a channel i might go down until i stood next to one on my very first day and i have been obsessed with them ever since um so we've got two european brand bears so you know nice nice big ones um two males so yeah i think i think i think the animal i probably know most about um or that i, I feel the most confident in my skills is definitely bears but as i say i i've, I've done hoostock since pretty much my first week of college so i've always kind of felt quite attached to them no that's cool uh, you know for our listeners anything which makes them so special we'll, we'll focus on the bears for, for this bit what 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 makes them I say so iconic to you and, and makes you feel like you want to commit to them as a texer so i think i think the thing that got me in the first place was the two bears that i look after the two main bears are um fluff and scruff um so these were when i first met them they were about 17 years old um so they they'd come from quite a horrific past they were they were raised in a well, i say raised they, they were brought up in a canned hunting facility in bulgaria so they spent roughly 15 16 years in a square concrete pit they had no bedding to speak of the food was uh, it was awful it was full of parasites it was made up of sawdust and they they had no forage they had no toys they had pretty much no interaction with other other bears other than the only thing they would have seen is humans walking past so they had they just had this really really horrific life i mean like to spend 16 years in a square pit with nothing to do is you can imagine they had quite a lot of physical issues quite a lot of mental issues when they turned up and i think I think that's probably the main bit that got me when I started working with them because as soon as, as soon as I stood next to them, I, I think I missed about six, six or seven months of them being a wildwood. So I missed that initial bit. But ever since then, I've just I've I've been with them permanently. And I mean you you can stand next to these animals that have just been horrifically abused and they'll they'll take food out of your hand. They'll come and sit next to you. Do you know you have you have a real relationship and a real interaction with them where they should they should pretty much just hate human beings, but they they don't. And yeah, that really that really got me. That, that was they're really like captivating animals. But I also I have this theory in a broader sense that the reason humans and bears, like pe- people who like them, obviously, are so well connected, is because humans just want to be bears. I mean, they they sleep all the time, they eat all the time, they do whatever they want, whenever they want, because they're a bear, no one's going to tell them otherwise. They put on loads of weight all year round, and they go to sleep, and they wake up thin. So, yeah, I think I think humans are jealous of bears. I think that's where it comes from. Uh, it sounds it sounds a great life, and it's it's really great to hear the, the bond you've got. That's uh, really really infectious. It's it's lovely to hear. Now, obviously, moving on to this next half of of, of the podcast, and that is. It, enriching our animals is a very much a modern day practice within zoos it's very much part of our role and i am a true believer that a good piece of enrichment and much muses the keeper as as much the animal now with with enrichment obviously it does have to change depending on the taxonomic group obviously if it's aquatic life definitely has to be waterproof if it's for obviously something strong has to be resilient and it have, if it's for something which almost is maybe uh like a bird which flies it has to be something which is worthy of that so with regards to your taxonomic groups, then is there anything which is 
particularly special, maybe a, a certain thing that you've developed or anything like that, which is specific for your taxa and, and, and has worked? I don't know about developed as much, um, but I did I did go for something. Um, I wanted to give you something. So it's not necessarily something we build. It's just something we actually do for the bears. So ours, they don't they don't hibernate. They go through torpor. Um, so it's sort of like a semi-hibernation state where they'll, you know, they could sleep for a very long time, but they might still... They might still get up for a couple of minutes a day, maybe have a small drink or have a wee and then go straight back to bed again. But we are, I think, I do I do try and check around, but I think we offer the biggest bear bed, certainly in the country, possibly most of Europe. And the reason I've, I've sort of like chose this, so the reason I'm so fond of this is just because the size of the bed is ridiculous. But I love it because we, we fill it full of so much natural stuff. Um, so we, it's mainly a bed of straw, but we, we chuck hay in there as well because obviously it's much softer. We get loads of leaves, both wet and dry, and we chuck that all in. Um, but yeah, it's just just like a, it's colossal. And it's just the bears really, really like it. They find it really, really enriching. They'll normally spend a couple of days just shuffling it around and um, trying to make grooves in it or anything like that. It's also quite a pain to, to clear out. So we normally devote like a whole day just to clearing it out. But um, I just, I love that bed because it's just, it's so enriching for them and it's just completely natural behavior. And yeah, just, it's just really nice to see them in it. They're really, really happy once they get, get, proper set into the bed Jeez, that sounds that sounds great obviously for anyone who's truly listening to this do jump onto obviously the, the facebook and instagram pages and we'll, we'll post those pictures up but with regards to that I, i've got to be honest i i got to see i think at the kind of the starting point of that when i came for the bear, bear workshop and it looked like we were walking into the straw barn i'm not gonna lie i thought it was your whole straw for the park so it's uh yeah definitely definitely not an underwhelming experience it's uh and i'm sure as you'll probably say that the bears love it yeah they do and we add, like, as you see the picture there, quite rightly, as you say, we add to it constantly. So they might go in and they, um, so we, we normally do the bed a little bit early, probably a month earlier or so than the bears actually go down. And then once they go in, they sit on it, it flattens, and then we have to add chucking even more. And yeah, they're actually uh, fairly unique as well. So um, the two we've got, the two males, uh, it's, it's not regular for European brown bear males to dig, but Scruff, one of ours, does dig his own dens which he's done in the main paddock and fluff is uh, he's the bigger one, the one in charge. So he actually grabs all the bedding and he drags it in and he shapes it how he wants. And yeah. So they're, they're fairly unique. Those two. So it's, it's nice to have them. That's great. It's yeah, some, some really great tips and I'm sure the listeners are soaking that one in now. We'll, we'll move on then to the next element. And that is, it's not just enrichment, a great way of enriching your animals is actually good enclosure design. Now, some people may not have an input in this, but in the modern day, I, I'm a true believer that the majority of voices are heard and, and we are getting better with no uphill drains, for example, or, or any of that craziness that zookeepers hate. So with regards to the enclosure design, obviously each enclosure has to be specific for that taxa to make sure it's resilient, make sure that it is worthy to that animal. How is that developed? Have you got any quirky aspects to it which meets your taxa's need? Um, so I think this this will probably go down to wildwood the site specifically but obviously dealing with um pretty much exclusively with native species being set into and we've got like hundreds of acres worth of woodland here so uh, you'll have seen the site yourself so all, all of our enclosures are, are actually very very natural they're exactly what the animals should be experiencing in the wild in this country you could take any of them but uh the, the any any of our deer enclosures for example um like nice big trees things they can walk through and weave through and um, I just I think we're actually really, really lucky in that 
we we obviously do try and make the enclosures as good as we can or improve them as much as we can but yeah we, we're just really fortunate that that the site itself is kind of like an enclosure you know just um yeah on, on a grander scale no totally totally it's, it's definitely making the best of what you've got already and, and taking advantage of that is exactly right now i guess that the, the final element of this before we, we delve into to the bigger side of this episode is advice what for anyone listening maybe to your younger self from the journey you've been on with all these lovely taxonomic groups that you've worked with is there any advice you would give to anyone from looking back to now going forward one of the problems i've probably encountered throughout my career not necessarily just myself but to to people i've worked with um i don't think people speak out enough probably like a lot of keepers would have good ideas or, or you know different ways of looking at things and i don't think people are always willing to discuss those ideas and put them out there i don't know you know maybe for fear of them being wrong or not being appreciated or anything like that but i yeah i I think just just talk i think just talk to each other um don't be afraid to reach out to to other collections which is something to be honest over the last four or five years especially i'll go back to but especially working with bears i mean that but the bear groups in this country seem to be their own little um society i guess um, and there's just so many people out there that everyone wants to share ideas. Everyone wants to do the best job they can. And and people, yeah, people, people really want to talk to each other, talk to other keepers and learn stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's definitely getting better as time goes on, but it'd be nice if people just felt a bit more they can do just animals lives better. No, totally. Totally is a, a very connected networking opportunity and, and say the industry is there. So lean upon it. You're exactly right. Now we're going to move on. And we're going to move on to the, the big questions. Now, the big questions, it could lead us anywhere. So prepare, buckle in. Um, this is uh, going to be a, a bunch of questions which are in the industry. Everyone loves talking about but never truly approaches. So let's see how we get on. Now, number one, a zookeeper's job is obviously very varied. Um, the, there's a lot for, I guess, the demand for the role is very high. In your opinion, what would you say the largest challenge of the modern day zookeeper is and, and how do we overcome it? Probably, I think I think the, the, the you have to have quite a diverse range of knowledge and skills. And it's something they don't teach you when you start zookeeping is it's not just cleaning, it's not just feeding. I mean, um, you, you, you have to have sort of a basic understanding of plumbing, electrics, carpentry, the, there's so much to it. But the best the best thing you can do is the same before is just, just share knowledge, just talk to each other and talk to other people who know what they're doing and, and you know yeah just share ideas it's one one part of the industry they really they don't explain enough to you when you start out is you really have to know about everything no totally totally and i guess on number two that is the other side to what we're all told we're all told by our bosses by whatever level you're at that you should have a good home and work relationship you should have that balance between the both you should keep yourself as fresh as you can that being said anyone who works with animals let alone within the industry I'm sure we'll share that is a lot easier said than done. I guess the question is, is it possible? And if so, how can we achieve it? Speaking completely honestly, it, I don't know whether it's possible or not. I think just in this job, um, we, we, I mean, we all do this for, for exactly the same reason. It's because we like the animals. That's the reason we do this job. So, I, I mean, most of the time you find yourself at home wondering how to redo an enclosure or how to redo a dial or how to make this better i mean you can't can't even go walking through a park or a bit of woodland without seeing some brows or some sticks that you'd like for your enclosure 100 percent, it is difficult to to separate home 
and work life. I think it's just because it's because we're all doing something we love. And, you know, you, yeah, you, you might take your work home a lot of the time, but it's not always necessarily a bad thing either. No, totally. Totally. As I say, I'm I'm a true hypocrite for that. I, I will say keep the good balance, but I am the worst. I will take it down every day trying to love my animal's welfare. So, yeah, no, exactly the right now. With, with regards to the next one then, and this is something we all do. We're all here very much, um, I guess, the modern day way of zoos is to educate our guests, educate the way that we, we present ourselves. Um, um, and, and hopefully get our messages out there. Now, that being said, the UK alone has a whole bundle of zoos, probably the most heavily condensed amount of zoos um, of anywhere in Europe. Do you feel we're, we're truly hitting home with this? Do you feel we're doing enough um, across the board? Or do you feel like we need to do further and more to this? I don't I don't know if I'd say we were doing enough. Um, I, I, I do think we're doing well. And I think certainly, I mean, I, I started um, working in zoos, I think, uh, 13 or 14 years ago. And yeah, the level of, of communication now is, is actually really, really good compared to what it was. I, I can't speak highly enough of, of just like workshops. So, you know, you, yourself, you came to the, the bear workshop last year and just little little things like that. Um, I've got a, a carnival workshop uh, this the end of this month, actually, down in Paynton, which I'm quite looking forward to because I've never been there. I think just just communication, just talking to each other better and and the amount of knowledge that's out there and that we can share. Yeah, I, I definitely think we can do better. But I also, yeah, I'd be full of praise for where it actually is now compared to where it was, say, 10 years ago. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're always moving forwards. And as you touched on, there's so much experience and knowledge out there. It's, it's about reaching out and gaining that because it is there for everyone to gain. Um Definitely. Now we're on to that that final big question. We're nearly there. You've nearly battled your way through these big questions. But the, the last one is is quite a simple one, but it could explode into a conversation. And that is on a collaboration level, do you think, uh, and kind of relates to the last question, but do you think we're collaborating enough at a keeping level to truly achieve what we need with our animals? Um, I, I, Yeah, kind, kind of what I, I said before. I, I don't think we're doing enough. But I do, yeah. Again, I do think it's much, much better. But it, it would just be, yeah, it'd be great if there was there was more of a forum, especially I think at a lower level, you know, like a, a seasonal or a trainee keeper position. I think it would be great if there was more of a forum just for people to to share ideas and discuss. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of younger keepers over my time that probably had good ideas or good thoughts and they, they didn't necessarily share them and probably for being worried that managers or bosses might shoot them down or not pay full attention to them or anything like that and you know it's, it's you'd like to think it's always getting better but the more people speak up and the more that keepers of particularly i think that the same level but all levels just just chat to each other and talk to each other i think yeah it's just really really important but yeah so I'd, I'd be a big a big sponsor of like workshops and conferences and stuff like that and particularly not not just um not just sharing ideas during presentations or anything like that but you know you, you go out you might go out for dinner or something afterwards or go out for a beer and everyone talks and i think often a lot of the time you learn you learn a lot more from that sit down chat at the table than you ever do from a presentation no I, I couldn't agree more i think it is definitely get yourselves out there get to your workshops and it is making sure you're socializing not just simply soaking in a presentation even though that is important um and i think that's exactly it we you know we are getting better hopefully this uh the to not plug myself the the, the this podcast is hopefully showing that Everyone has a story. Everyone's been there and has done it however high they are in the system and that every idea is worthy 
take a note on the chin occasionally because i assure you one out of ten will make it through and and you will get your your messages across one other thing it sounds like i'm promoting the pub now but just after work just like when, when, particularly when i was at chessington we used to have one day every week all of the keeping staff would all go out together and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be too nice to go out and get smashed or you just go down the pub and you'd have a beer and everyone would chat and that i, I think often that's you know where people feel a bit more relaxed and a bit more comfortable that's the best exchange for ideas and i love that and i do try and promote that every collection i've gone to since but just yeah just try and try and make an hour every now and then you can hang out outside of the work environment in a in a more you know perhaps a more comfortable environment totally totally and i will before we we do move on i i Every workshop, every conference, every event which is around zoos, I'm going to call you guys out, and I'm going to call out the Chesington. I'm going to call you a cult, but I mean that in a very light-hearted <laughs> way. There is always a, a, a reef, a kind of a reunion photo taken. I'm not a fellow Chesington. I'm always seeing this. You guys are very close knit, and I think that probably stems probably from what you're saying is is that original pub visits and the original form back then which is only carried on from generation to generation so that's it's it's really great to see yes yeah, so, so I, I, just, I, I love that side of it. i think the, the the social side of being a zookeeper could definitely be improved on in in the modern age I think yeah just people going and hanging out as i say the more relaxed you are the more the more you'll talk to people the more you'll share ideas and i, I love that side of the job i really do yeah no totally totally now before we do move on to the last part of this podcast I'm going to chuck a curveball at you. And I just simply, we've covered it briefly. Why should someone listening work with your taxa? Why should someone who's a new keeper looking to just simply change taxonomic group or just change actually into the role itself? Why should they be working with, whether it be the bears or or the hoofstock, I guess, but why why with your taxa? So, uh, yeah, I can make an argument for both sides. So I think with the hoofstock, I'll be honest with you, I just, I, I like hoofstock anyway. I think they've got this, most of them have this grumpy attitude. And I just, I really, really like that. Um, anyone who's ever worked with a goat will know exactly what I mean. Um, but I quite, I quite like the work as well. Quite like working a physical job. My mate, John, said to me, I remember him saying it to me a long, long time ago. Is another chestnut thing. He said, um, I would much rather use a broom and a pressure washer than a dustpan and a brush. And I um I kind of took that on myself, and um, I do the work. The actual work just suits me. I don't mind it like like say like a physical day, um, shoveling and sweeping. It's it's yeah, it's just it just is my my type of work. With the animals themselves, I mean, I think hoofstock could if if you meet any hoofstock keeper, they're generally very supportive of their animals. But I think from the outside, they could get sort of dismissed as a bit boring. They're not every single one of them has the most amazing personality and they're all different i say again anyone who's ever worked with a goat you get every different type of behavior from a goat you get the one that wants to kill you and the one that wants to hug you and you don't know which one's which so um that makes that really really interesting with the bears i mean they're just they're magnificent animals in themselves the work particularly um have to, to plug rescue bears so bears in general, like European brown bears, have, actually have a very, very healthy population throughout the world, but they're they're probably one of the most abused animals on the planet. So, just in terms of, if you're, particularly if you work with rescue bears, the work is, is so rewarding. Watch these animals go from, from emaciated, they're protruding bones. One of them, we have uh, only a very small pond. He would walk around the pond 280 times, I think, in one hour. So that sort of shows you, you know, just 
the level that we were dealing with when they turned up. But yeah, I, I so bears in general rescue animals is good. Totally, you know, some very, uh, some very, very touching and very nice words, both taxes there. And then that leads us to what we call the quick fire rounds. Now, this quick fire round can go absolutely anywhere, it can go really quickly. Some people get quite competitive, or as I expect it to go, some of these questions might erupt into conversation. But we'll, we'll see how we get on, John, and, and go from there. Now, yeah, your first one is your favourite animal. Oh, it's probably not going to surprise you. It used to be, um, it used to be bison, and then before that it was giraffe. And back when I was studying, it used to be otters. Um, so it's evolved a little bit as I've gone through my career. But yeah, as I say, it's it's bears now, and which is, it's probably more surprising than anything based on the fact that I never wanted, I had any particular urge to work with bears until I actually stood next to one and. Yeah, I've, I've been up with them ever since. What about yourself? Oh, oh, that's a tricky one. I, I'm a, obviously you work with my koalas right now, but I'm a sucker. I'm going to be honest. I'm a sucker for painted dogs. I can't. I, it's right. the noise, the ears, oh, everything like that. The hidden gem, though, an Andean bear is, oh, yeah, Andean bears are very much creeping up to that number one spot yeah, very quickly. I can understand that fully. There you go. Right. Now, I, I guess that number two then is... And it's something which I think I am stitching you up with this one. And that is your top tip for mental health and well-being. Probably. I, okay, so sorry. If it, I don't want it to sound boring because it's something I've already said. Don't don't keep anything in. If, if it's bothering you, if you're at a collection and and you're not have comfortable with the enclosure and animals in, if you're not comfortable with the diet, uh, if you're not comfortable, just speak out to that scenario. Just just be, be open-minded that you might be wrong as well, but... Just, just talk about it. I've, I've seen so many people who are just unwilling to to talk about things that they think are wrong, um, and I, th- I think that the industry is moving forwards and moving away from that. But yeah, that that would that would definitely be my advice. Just, just, just talk, talk to people. If you have an idea, speak out because you know sometimes you might be right. Yeah, no, very much so. Very, very good advice. Now, this is a very left field question, and that is your favourite film. My favourite film, but very few people I've ever talked to about it have ever seen it. It's called um, Kingdom of Heaven. It's got some, um, it's got some very famous actors. In it. Um, so Orlando Bloom, Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. I can't remember the actor's name. Um, but yeah, no, it's got. It's just that it's about the battle for Jerusalem, ages, and um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good film. Really, really good film. It's quite long. It is quite a long film. I'd, I'd recommend it. What about yourself? What's your favourite film? <laughs> cool. I definitely need to rewatch that one for sure. Or I- I'm another long one. I think Gladiator for me. That's an amazing film. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, so we'll move on then. And this is going back to the industry. And that is, what's the best part of the industry? You build with them. I mean, um, as I've referenced like working with rescue animals, seeing them go from from well, no no real body condition at all to being built up and being able to go through a, an eight to twelve week sleep on the the body condition they have. Um, I've seen so there's uh, at Wildwoods. Um, I'll tell you this story. So we've got uh, bison here, um, European bison, and they need to be. They used to be darted because um, they had to be inoculated. Um, they used to be darted and and feed the animals and inject them, and, and they don't they don't mind at all. Not even fussed. So I think I think it's doing little bits like that. It's the, the improvements that you make every single day, um, whether you're improving a, an enclosure, a diet, whatever, it's it's definitely, it's the bit where you make a difference. That's that's what matters the most. Yeah, no, for, for sure, for sure. Now, this next one could take you anywhere, quite literally, and that is, what zoo globally would you like to visit and why? So I'll tell you two, because I mentioned 
one earlier is um, Painton Zoo. Um, I've had a lot of, I've got a trip there at the end of the month, so I'm, at, I'm really looking forward to that one. But if you go out further, a um, couple of bear sanctuaries I'd like to visit. There's one like Bear Muritz in Germany. Um, I'd like to go see San Diego Zoo just because I've heard really, really good things about it. It would be nice to see that in person. Yeah, no, for sure. Some uh, so some great shouts there, for sure, for sure. Now, now uh, the next one then is what main trait do you feel you've got inside of you which has allowed you to get to where you are today? I'm quite, I, mean, I, I am quite hardworking. And I, th- I think one of the other things that has probably helped me get to, to the point I am is um, just like a willingness as well, just a willingness that, I'll, I'll, you know, if you need to come in early or you need to go home late or um, you need to work through your lunch or, you, you know, well, you, you've done zookeeping for long enough, you know that you, it's not always the sort of eight till five job it's stated as. But, yeah, I think just just a willingness to to put a bit of your own time if you have to um, and just to, uh, to really, yeah, as I say, work, work hard and you have, because obviously – you might have a lot of animals, a lot of enclosures. You've got experiences. You've got talks. You've got training sessions. You know, there's there's a lot to go into the job. So, I, th- I think just just being willing to put in the work has, has probably helped me quite a bit. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Now, I don't have an answer for this next question. So, we'll good luck to to yourself for this one. And that is, if you wasn't a zookeeper, what would you be? Oh, um, I would probably be. Do you know, I quite enjoy. Um, make me sound like a little boy i quite enjoy diggers i reckon i reckon i could be a digger driver okay be, yeah. it always it always looks quite fun the people in them always look like they're having fun so i think i'd definitely definitely do something like that or millionaire millionaire be good oh yeah i'll take that one okay i'll, t- I'll use that one in future maybe uh, <laughs> now i guess to flip around an earlier question what part of the industry do you feel what we need to improve on i think um the if you the industry as a whole i think recognizing keeper skills is something I'd, I'd sort of love the industry to improve on um so just you know um just just like appreciating what what keepers do go through um as we sort of mentioned earlier like you know you take your work home with you you have to learn carpentry you have to learn plumbing you have to yeah there's so much stuff that goes along with it um and yeah i think i think I think keeping as a whole is probably classified as like unskilled labor really when in reality it's actually it's probably highly skilled labor um so yeah just just recognizing that and, and a bit of appreciation for that yeah no great great answer now we're nearly there we're on the second to last question for this um this is one which is going to get a little bit more personal though and that is in the industry who, who's your idol oh um i my idol would be um heather bacon who do you, you well actually no you would have you would have met heather bacon last year at the bear workshop yeah um yeah yeah heather um i got to know fairly early on in my time at wildwood um so she just for anyone who doesn't know her she works at the university of central, central lancashire um and she is she's essentially she's an international zoo vet she, she traveled the world or has traveled the world um helping mainly bears throughout places in need so you know like things like roadside zoos in america bio farms um dancing but any of those kind of things she, she's helped out either to provide medical assistance or welfare assessments or any of that kind of thing heather uh was quite promotional of me to do a talk the international bear care group conference in scotland in 2019 um, and i had zoo talks i'd never actually done 
a talk outside of that. So I had to go do a presentation to a room full of probably about 50 people and public speaking other than outside of a talk was not my strong suit. Um, Heather was, was really supportive of that and um, pushed me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to do it. And it was, it was actually one of the best things I've, I've done. And then Wildwood hosted the Bear um, Conference last year. And um, same, uh, Heather was, she was really supportive. She was actually a keynote speaker for that. And yeah, she, she, she pushes every single person she meets to be better at what they do. And I, I just really like that. And anyone who doesn't know her should get to know her or get to know her work because um, she she's, does particularly large amounts of work in like welfare assessments. Yeah, you, you can get guides off of her on how to, to properly assess your animals and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm really, really fond of Heather. And also uh, like a, a bit of a mention as well for someone you, you mentioned earlier. It's from slightly like a, a different side of it, but um, Doug Richardson as well, just because he's, he's very... I find Doug, he, he talks, he talks common sense when it comes to animals. Like he, he has a way of taking the emotion out of the job and he just looks, he looks at a situation and then he's like, how do we fix this? Um, he's not interested in sort of the emotional side of it. Um, he just wants to, to find the problem and see how to fix it. And I think I, I, I just have an appreciation of that as well. I think I think those two people are, yeah, they're just really good people to, to know in the industry. Yeah, no, some really, really touching and, and lovely words there. Now, we're on that last question. We're nearly there, but I've left probably one of the hardest to last, and that is I want you now to describe and sum up the industry for us all in only three words. It's rewarding, definitely, definitely rewarding. Um, hardworking, for sure, and... I go with I go with uh, meaningful. I think meaningful. It actually actually means something to do this job, and I think that's why everyone does it. And even during the harder days, when it's not so easy, it's the fact that it means something to us that we continue and we come in the next day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, some really really nice words to to finish this podcast. Now, sadly, we are at the end. Uh, for myself, and I'm sure I can agree with all of our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for coming on, John. It's been a real privilege to to listen to your story and then talk all things mainly bear with a touch and a little sprinkle in the hoofstock. Um, thank you once again for coming on. No, no problem. No, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. No, and hopefully we'll get you on again very, very soon. Absolutely. Take care of yourself until then. See you later. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. What an amazing guest and an amazing time we had. Now, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, or our podcast channels to Zookeeping 101. I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.